Hey everyone, it's Hannah Bayshuck with Shit You Should Probably Know, the podcast where we actually talk about the shit you're too embarrassed to admit you don't actually know. So today I have Dr. Shiva Sar. She's joined us before in the past. Um, she's a licensed clinical psychologist. And this is a very sensitive conversation, mental health, but I'm adding the word access to it. So we're not just going to be talking about what is mental health, but also where do we, how do we access mental health? So first of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be back. Before we started this conversation or pressed go record mm. on the video, I was telling you, like, I think the hardest part about mental health is like, I say I'm a mental health advocate. I am. But if someone on the street came up to me and asked me, like, how do you advocate for mental health? Uh, other than saying that on social media, I, I try to be welcoming or share information that I have found, like, I don't know how to advocate. I wouldn't know where to mm. tell somebody where to get a therapist, like whatever gets you to the point that you need to be at, I'm down. I don't mm -hmm. feel like I can connect the dots because I don't know what exists out there. My experience with my mental health journey, when I was looking for a therapist who is unbelievable, she's a mutual friend of ours, mm -hmm. but I went to Google and I found her mm -hmm. on a like, random therapist.com website or something like that. I mean, I really didn't have any resources other than just kind of searching online. And so I guess my first question is like, what would you suggest to someone who is starting to explore their mental health and like how to access helping that, not just realizing it, they've realized it, then what? Sure. So um, really great question. I do want to share that, you know, the advocacy that you share that you're doing is also so important. And so when we think about um, mental health, I think it's important to recognize there's so many ways that individually we can advocate for ourselves. And as a community, we can advocate for one another and people supporting their mental health. But if, if someone is at a point where they're maybe curious about mental health treatment or wanting to engage in treatment. Um, I think there are different areas to look at. I think similar to what you mentioned, you can, of course, look through Google and different psychology directories to identify a psychologist who's local or maybe virtually available in your state or based on your preferences. But also, um, if you are insured, reaching out to your insurance panel um, and seeing oh, if you want to use your insurance, yeah, who's covered. Um, also, it could be through your work. So if your employer provides mental health benefits, um, and many, fortunately, at least since the pandemic, I've heard more and more organizations providing these benefits, reaching out to your employer or even your HR and just learning more about those benefits. So do they provide therapy? Do they provide self-care apps or technology apps or coaching? So really just learning a little bit more about what those benefits can look like. Um, there may be situations where they may offer all of those services or they may not, right? Or they may just offer one or some unfortunately may not offer anything. Also, are there any nonprofit um, mental health clinics in your area that are local? as well as community-based clinics, those can be also really great options. And oftentimes you can reach out to those clinics and even if they're not able to take on more um, clients or serve more people, they oftentimes have connections with other providers in the area and can help with providing recommendations. Another thing that I would also consider is reaching out to your physician. So if you are going in for your yearly appointment for your medical care, asking your providers if they have any recommendations. No, that's, that's so important. I think what's confusing. I have like my journey with mental health, right? I see a therapist after seeing that therapist for X amount of time, we identified that I most likely have OCD. So then I went and saw mm -hmm. a psychiatrist, um, mm -hmm. was prescribed with OCD. And now I take 
medication for it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's like, I was, a, I, I was able to connect those dots along the journey, but like, is there a, like, is therapy the first stop? I don't know. Cause you, you know, you watch those commercials on, on the TV and it's like, ask your friend how they're doing, which is important by the way. Like those mm-hmm. little things do matter on a daily basis. But like, to me, that might not be like enough for someone who's struggling with real OCD. I have the most supportive husband. I have the most supportive mm-hmm. friend. My community mm-hmm. is solid. And I still was hanging on by a thread because this was a chemical imbalance that was untreated. So mm-hmm. when it comes to access, but like knowing where should you access things first, you know, is yes. that is therapy the first place to start or do you start with a counselor? I don't know. Like what would be your thoughts on that? So a therapist and a counselor, it can be the same. So I oftentimes are used interchangeably. If you are curious to learn a little bit more about your mental health, or if you're starting to notice changes in your thinking and your emotions, your behaviors, or maybe there've been consistent changes and that have started to interfere with your day-to-day functioning, I would encourage you to reach out for that additional support from a mental health provider. So a therapist, a psychologist, you can reach out to a psychiatrist. Um, unfortunately, I'm not aware of you know, a website where we could go for access to all of these different resources. So it really does depend on where you are are at as far as your mental health and where, what type of support you think you would benefit from. But as I say that, I also recognize it can be really hard to know what you would benefit from if you've never been in therapy or if you're not super clear on that. What's the difference between mental health and mental illness? Because because I have OCD yeah. now, do I fall under mental illness? So really great question. So when we refer to mental health, your mental health refers to a state of well-being. So your emotional, psychological, and social well-being. When we say mental health, we all have mental health. So it's similar to physical health. Similar to that we all have physical health, we all have mental health. And Hannah, you brought up a really great point in that um, mental health is on a continuum. So there are going to be times where we are thriving, life couldn't be better, we're doing so well, and there are going to be times that we're struggling. And you may notice that, you know, depending on what's going on in your life, what is happening for you internally, different stressors, you're, where you are on that continuum may shift. And so that can actually be a clue for you when you're thinking about, do I, would I benefit from additional support? If you're feeling like you are living the life that is most meaningful and you feel good about it, and then that shifts, that can be a clue that, okay, I would maybe benefit from some type of additional support. Maybe it's self-care, maybe it's reaching out to a friend, maybe it's professional support. And then our mental illness is the presence of a mental health condition. So this is when we start to notice those negative changes to our thinking, our emotions, our behaviors. And or we may notice that maybe we're experiencing greater difficulties in our day to day, or it's harder to function in certain areas of our lives. So that would be the that that's when we are focusing on mental illness, and that is something that you know if you are noticing those those difficulties, I really do want to encourage people to reach out. So it's so great that we're having this conversation of really focusing on access and how do we get that help. Ninety percent of the U.S. I read the statistic that ninety percent of U.S. adults in the U.S. say that. The United States is experiencing a mental health crisis. Like, do you agree with that? To be honest, I feel like I can't say if I agree or disagree because I'm a little more curious about the statistic and I'm curious about what exactly is that mental health crisis. I imagine what's coming up for me is limited access to care as well as the increase in mental health concerns. And so I think that within the last few years, given the significant number of stressors or many of us have gone through with the pandemic, with work and a harder time in connecting 
with care, unfortunately. I think the good news is that more people are reaching out for care. But anecdotally, I've heard just having a harder time being able to see providers. The crisis wouldn't ex- wouldn't be as severe if the access wasn't there. Like I do believe, and I can't remember where I read this, but you might know the stat better, that from the period of discovering you have a mental health illness to the period is to the period of getting help for that is about 12 to 13 years. I might be getting that wrong, but there's some way mm. it's something about vague average and people's awareness of mental health is really prevalent, but then also the access for, it. and that's why we're having this conversation. Cause it's like, yeah, we know mental health is important, but like, what do you do about it? You know, it's. So the access piece, the difficulties with access or difficulties in connecting with providers who are competent in providing evidence-based care are competent in different cultural factors that may be influencing someone's experience. I think all of those are really important. But I also feel like um, when I personally think about ways to prioritize our mental health, I, I think it's also coming back to the basics, right? So if we're not experiencing a mental illness, right, and maybe we're just wanting to improve our mental health, I think it's coming back to the basic and seeing ways to prioritize our sleep, getting some movement, socializing, social media, all of these things, when they're not prioritized or taking in so much content or negative content, tend to negatively impact our mental health. Support systems are also really important. So through a support group. So there are support groups that are also available um, through hospital settings, a certain number of sessions, I believe. I do really want to encourage people to just... Because it is, I think our mental health is on a continuum. I do think this is something that needs to be regularly attended to by each one of us, right? So it's like, you know, even for myself, it's when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay, how am I feeling? Like, what do I need today? Like some days, especially because I work from home, it's I need more socialization. That has a significant impact on how we feel. Um, So thinking about are there ways that you can advocate for yourself in addition to treatment and additional professional support, are there things that you can do for yourself or that you can get in place that would be really helpful to your mental health? What, and just curious, as a licensed psychologist and therapist yourself, is it like a doctor-patient relationship where you are not allowed, like what are your rules as a therapist? Oh, okay, great question. Because they're like, I don't I don't want to admit my issues to myself. And then I definitely don't want to like, once you say something, it exists in the world. Like you don't want it to be said to them, that was one of the reasons with me with OCD is like, I just like didn't even want to like face those issues to myself. But then I definitely didn't want to say it out loud to somebody else. And yeah, I didn't want them yeah. to be able to carry that out of the room too. So what's, what are your rules as a therapist? Really great question. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think this is something that so many people are probably, this is a question so many people have at a basic level. So when meeting with a provider, be it a therapist, psychologist, this is confidential treatment. So what I mean by that is what you share with your provider will be kept confidential. There's some certain limits to that confidentiality where they're related to risk, the safety of yourself, other people, communities of individuals. So for instance, children or the elderly population. But outside of risk factors and outside of steps that need to be taken to either keep you safe or other people safe, everything else is kept confidential. Is there consequences if you broke that? Yeah. Yeah. So that wouldn't happen. That I mean, I hopefully that wouldn't happen. But yes. No, I know. I'm like, you want to make sure that your your ass is online and so is ours. You know, if you're telling somebody something real that you're having you know, people go to therapy for a lot of different reasons. If you're having like a mental health crisis, like you want to know the other person's going to keep that 
hush. You don't want your company finding out or your friends finding out always. Like that might that might be a part of what's causing your anxiety. So you want somebody else to have stake in the gang. Yes. Ethically and legally, we are we are bound to keep it your information confidential. So for instance, even if you are seeing a psychologist or a therapist, you know, I, what I think of is I used to work within a university counseling center. And so even if I ran into a student that I was seeing on campus, I wouldn't acknowledge it, right? Even that's confidential. So you even being in treatment with someone is kept confidential. Um, Nonetheless, all the information that you share with them. So everything I've been talking about is pretty much the individual's experience. But as a therapist, like what would your advice be to a mother? Because our kids can't access mental health resources without the help of their parents. So what, as a parent, what is it our responsibility and how do we start that conversation with our child? Sure. And when does that conversation begin? So I think the conversation of mental health can begin really early. And so what I mean by that is because when we're talking about mental health, as I mentioned, we're talking about how someone is feeling, how are they doing, how are they experiencing life? And I think that dialogue, I would recommend people to not only check in with themselves about those things, but with your child. How is today? And starting from more of a general way where the child can understand, how was your day today at school? How how did you feel about this, whatever had happened at school? So starting to engage in those conversations and helping our children feeling more comfortable in spending time to really check in with themselves and engage in dialogue around how they're feeling, how they're doing, how things are going, for instance, at school and providing them with the language to be able to share, right? Um, you know, I oftentimes, even in my own work, will use an emotion wheel. Have you seen the emotion wheel um, before? So it has, there are many different emotions and it can be a really helpful way to be able to identify how you're feeling. So they have the language to describe their experiences um, and that can then give the parent or give us just more of an understanding of how the child is doing, but also hopefully they'll be able to as they grow older, have the language to identify those shifts in their mood and their well-being. I think the other piece is, you know, oftentimes we tend to have our own stigma associated with mental health and treatment. And what does it mean to have my child go in for treatment? Um, what does that mean about me? What does that mean about my child? And so I think it's it's remembering that there are so many types of evidence-based treatments that are available. This is something that you know, so many of us would benefit from. And so if you're finding that your own stigma is getting in the way around mental health. Because at the end of the day, like there are so many factors that we can't control, like social media. It's like you just wonder, like, am I equipped enough to walk through those conversations or do I need to pass the ball? But this, this is, it's all kind of food for thought. And I really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through the access that exists out there. Obviously, this is a much larger conversation, but that's kind of what we do here at Change. You should probably know is just kind of give a brief overview and some context to what exists out there. And I think mental health is a big conversation, but mental health access is kind of like, how do we put action to our conversation sometimes? Can I share one other set of resources? That'll be okay. Um, So so I also want to share, in addition to um, sort of, professional resources that we mentioned um, or we went through, there's also, if you would just benefit from talking to someone and are just needing, having a hard day, would benefit from getting additional support. There are also warm hotlines. And so that can be, um, and there are different ones available throughout the US. Um, and so that could be a way to get that 
more immediate support if you're just having a hard day or just want to talk to someone. Um, and then also, if you are experiencing any thoughts of self-harm, suicide, there's also suicide prevention hotlines. There's um, You would dial 988. Um, and so that is a way to get more immediate crisis support. And of course, you can always reach out to um, a local emergency 911 um, or walk into your local hospital for that immediate support as well. Well, thank you. First of all, I didn't know about the 988. That was really helpful information. Thank you so much for joining us. And we know you'll be back. Like, plethora of knowledge. Thank you so much, Dr. Asar. Thank you. Per usual, the information shared on this podcast reflects my views or opinions or those of my guests and is presented as a general information only without guaranteeing its completeness. Nothing in this episode is intended to be or shall be construed as a statement of fact or any legal, medical, or other professional advice. Any reference to a specific product or entity is not an endorsement or recommendation unless expressly stated otherwise. 